North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. I hope you're doing good. If you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to be there in just a second, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Um, We're in this series that we're calling More, and it's just our hearts, as as we've been praying about this with the the leadership here at church, that that, uh, we position ourselves to receive more from God. You're probably sick of it, um, hearing that word more so many times today, but but, man, I, I believe that God has more for us, and what we talked about last week is is we don't ever want to put a cap or a limit on what God wants to do in our lives and in our church and in our family. And, and sometimes our lack of faith really does that. Our lack of obedience really does that. And so uh, what our goal is, is through this series, is to try to figure out ways to um, increase our, our faith and, and increase our capacity to receive all that God has for us. And, and man, I hope that 2018 is this year that is marvelous marked by God doing more in our lives and in our church and in our family and in our services, that, that we just get all of God. And, and I, I feel like even at our church, God is doing some amazing things, and you've seen some testimonies, and, and to hear the testimonies personally of what God is doing, and to, and to I, I just talked to somebody out in the foyer today, and, and she was uh, tearing up talking about how, how just the Spirit of God is just overwhelming her, even today, and Man, I, I think we're just scratching the surface of what God wants to do, and, and that's a little bit of a scary thing, but it's very exciting at the same time, because uh, I, I wonder what we would look like if we just were fully accepting of everything that God has for us, and, and my prayer is that we're brave enough to step into that season. And so I pray that with us um, through this series and, and through this year that, that we would really experience the more that God has for us. So I hope you're doing good today. Let's, let's go right to the scripture this morning. First Chronicles chapter 4, starting in verse 9, it says this. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. There, that last line of this uh, obscure little passage in First Chronicles, and God granted him his request, is a huge, huge scripture. And God granted him his request. Jabez, Jabez is an obscure character in a, in a very neglected neglectedly read book of the Bible. If you're doing a a Project 365, which is a a year Bible reading plan, or you're reading through the Bible, and that's your resolution this year, you're going to get to 1 Chronicles, and you are going to have a hard time keeping your eyes open in this Bible reading. Come on, somebody who's read this. You know what I'm talking about. Help me out. Don't leave me up here. Okay, it was hard for me. All of you are way more spiritual than me, and that's fine. But what's going to happen is you're going to hit this portion of Scripture, and it's just going to be names, Name after name after name after name. That's really hard to pronounce. And then you're going to get to verse 9 here. And in verse 10, at the end of verse 10, it's going to say, And God granted him his request. Now, this is Jabez, who, who is this character in the Bible that we don't know much about. Uh, we don't have much information. In fact, his entire life story in Scripture is encapsulated in two verses. 
But the thing that will be remembered about Jabez for all of eternity is this, that God granted him his request. Wouldn't you love to, after you died, people be able to say that about you? Come on. That God granted him his request. That God granted her her request. I would love if, if that was said about me. Like, here's Chris. And let me tell you something about him. God answered his prayers. And, and there's more to the story. You know, he had family and friends and ministry and kids and, and legacy and all that stuff. But man, there's one thing that I want you to know. God answered his prayers. God granted him his request. God gave him everything that he prayed for. Man, I would love that to be my legacy. And I'm sure that many of you remember years ago the prayer of Jabez book that came out. Let me see your hands if you, if you, if you remembered that and you studied that. It was, it, that prayer of Jabez book, that swept through the, the Christian world like, like a hurricane. And everybody was reading it and studying it and praying the prayer of Jabez. And, and I'm sure that many of you prayed it and I prayed it. And, and it was this little powerful book studying these two verses of scripture. And it had a massive amount of hope and and during this time, there was a lot of people getting really excited and really expecting God to do great things in their life. But what I noticed is there was a subtle shift. Something um, began to change or, or something was off a little bit. And, and what happened was, instead of people really studying and uh, understanding the heart of Scripture, understanding the glory and the majesty and the goodness and the willingness of God to pour out His Spirit in this little glimpse of the life of Jabez and his prayer that we get, it was almost as if this, this little prayer that we read in Scripture turned into a mantra, turned into an incantation that if repeated often enough would force God, manipulate God to do really good things for, for you. And, and it wasn't written this way, but it was almost uh, began to be studied in a way that this little prayer was the key to unlocking all sorts of good things in your life. Or it was the magic bullet that would make sure that you never, ever, ever have any problems ever again and that you would be blessed and that you would just float around from glory to glory all the time. And it's almost like it was turned into that. And instead of this portion of Scripture getting into the hearts and the minds of the people, it became something that it wasn't intended to be. And I think that the enemy does that a lot. Like Satan will, will take truth... <clears throat> And, and turn it into an incantation so, so then it becomes just empty words and it never pierces the heart and the, the soul of the believer. And we see that often with different scriptures. We see that often with the Lord's Prayer. That gets empty and it's just repeated and never thought about. We see that often when um, at the end of services we will we'll say, okay, you know, if you raise your hand for salvation, then, then repeat this prayer after me. But, but that's why we always say at those times, like, look, if you just said the words, nothing happened. And there's nothing special or magical about the specific words. We didn't get this out of like a book that, that you have to say it this way with this inflection. And if you don't, then you're still not saved. You, you know, it, it's about a matter of the heart, and it's what the heart is speaking out, and it's what, what the words that we speak are, are representing the heart that we feel and the heart change that we have. And so we have to be very, very careful about things like this, that we don't just turn it into a mantra that we think is a magic bullet. And so in these situations, we don't worry about knowing God or relationship with God or intimacy with God. We just feel like if we can get the words right, 
then we turn God into a divine vending machine and he has to give us what we want. And that's not at all what happens. In this scripture, you're going to see that God granted Jabez his requests, not because he repeated the right words in the right way with the right cadence, but that God granted him his requests because he had the right heart. And it was everything that God was doing inside of him and developing in his heart that positioned him to receive all that God had for him. So I want to clarify before moving forward today, this isn't a mantra, it's not a magic bullet or a formula, it's just a prayer. It's a prayer that, that exposes the heart of a man that wants all that God has for him. It's a prayer. Or more accurately, a series of prayers that reveal the overwhelming grace and goodness of God. And it shows us what might happen when ordinary men and women are bold enough to ask God for more. If we're bold enough, if we have the courage to ask God for more, God is going to do more than you could ever begin to ask, think, or imagine, Scripture says. So there's something that, as we get started, and as we look at this prayer that Jabez prayed, there's something that I want you to know about Jabez before we dig into this. This is it. Jabez wasn't special. Jabez wasn't special. And when we look through Scripture, oftentimes we, we read this and we read the, about these people in Scripture and we think, well, I could never be them. Well, you could be Jabez because Jabez wasn't special. Some of you are special and talented and gifted and have tons of potential. Some of you are like, eh, kind of average and mediocre, below average. You know who you are. I'm not going to name names. But, but you, can find, like, you can find joy in connection with Jabez today because Jabez wasn't special. Jabez wasn't Moses. You know, we read stories of Moses and, you know, he had the staff and the Red Sea Spirit and he had the Ten Commandments and he saw the glory of God and he called like locusts and, and uh, grasshoppers and, and all that stuff and the Ten Plagues. And so we look at Moses like, yeah, that's a little bit beyond my reach. Moses was special. Jabez wasn't special. We look at people like John the Baptist who was so anointed with the glory of God even in the womb that scripture tells us that he was praising God in the womb. Maybe some of you are that spiritual. But... You know, John the Baptist was special. Jesus was special. Jabez wasn't special. Jabez was ordinary. Jabez was average. In fact, the name Jabez, his name, which at that time uh, really operated as a prophetic declaration of what the rest of his life would be, his name means pain. His name means pain or distress. Jabez wasn't special. So every day of his life, he was reminded in his name that he was birthed in pain, that, that there, was, there was trouble, there was distress, there was pain marking his life. And every child is, that is born arrives with a certain amount of pain. There is pain in every childbirth, or so I'm told. You know, I've never experienced it. I'm, I'm taking your word for it, ladies. There's pain there, but there was something about Jabez that goes beyond the normal pain associated with birth. The pain of Jabez was so great, the distress so overwhelming that his mother chose to memorialize this pain in her son by calling him Jabez. Pain. And so because we aren't given any details about his life, just these two verses, we're left to speculate on what could be the potential cause or the source of this pain. We just don't know. Maybe Maybe Jabez's mom just had a long pregnancy. 
maybe for nine months she was just in pain and her ribs were up here and, you know, spending all that time in the bathroom and, and complications and, and all of that stuff. And maybe she was like, this little stinker, man, he has made my life miserable for the last nine months. And so I'm going to call him pain so he knows what I did for him, you know? I don't, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe... Um, Maybe the birth was traumatic and there was lots of blood loss and, and, and near death in the delivery. We just don't know. It's possible that it was a different kind of pain that marked Jabez's life. It's possible that his father abandoned his mother mid-pregnancy or ran off with another woman mid-pregnancy. And so this was marking a season of pain in their life. Maybe his father died, leaving her a widow with a child in this day where she didn't know how she was going to be able to take care of herself. It's, it's even possible that um, he was birth as a result of, of a brutal attack or rape and and th this mother knew that every time she looked at this child she would be reminded of of how she was sinned against in that moment and it caused her pain uh, perhaps finances were tight and the thought of raising a child in this day and age with with tight finances and and not a lot of excess was causing her to to stress out and be full of anxiety the reality is we don't know the specifics of the pain but we do know Know that Jabez was born into a life and into a family where he wasn't marked with anything special. In fact, his life was really declared from his birth to be so ordinary, so average, and so um, low that nobody ever expected anything special from him. In fact, he would be the last person anybody would think that would, that would make a mention in the Bible that we would have for all of eternity. There was little potential for greatness in Jabez, and his mom called him pain. Maybe you're here today, and you would say, you know what, I feel that. I get that. I'm nothing special. Maybe your past is marked with pain. Maybe as you look into the future, all you see is pain. Maybe it's full of distress, and maybe you're here today, and it's all you can do to just keep it together in this moment that you've, you've put on your church mask so you don't just completely break down and freak out and start weeping with all of the, the angst and the anxiety and the fear and the depression and the pain that you're feeling right now. Maybe you're just looking around and you just see more pain, more distress, more hopelessness, um, I don't know who you are, and, and I don't know where you're sitting, and I don't know what you're going through, but if that's you, and you, kinda, you can relate to Jabez in that way, I want you to know something before we go any further. You have to know this, that God is for you. That God is for you. You say, but Chris, all I see is pain. God is for you. I don't see any, any blessings in my future. Well, well you're going to know something this morning, that God is for you. And when you look at the prayers of Jabez and, and who Jabez was when he started and, and how God responds to those prayers, you're going to begin to realize that God is for you and that it's God's desire to bless you even more than you are willing to ask for. That God is for you. Now I want to spend the next few moments looking at these four things that Jabez prayed. We're going to, we're going to break down his prayer and sort of see the heart behind it and, and see what sort of prayers that we ought to be praying as well. The first prayer is this, bless me. Jabez prayed, bless me. This was his very first prayer. And think about who Jabez was. He was a man marked by pain. He was a man identified by distress. It's as if he's saying, I, I am a man of little hope. I am a man that has a bleak future, but I believe in a God who is able to bless me. 
I'm not Moses, I'm not Abraham, but I believe that God is good enough to bless even me. You see, sometimes we, we look at God and we make God so big, which he is. We make him so lofty, which he is, that we forget that he is so full of love that he is willing to come down in exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. Bless us who are nobodies. And Jabez says, I don't come from a good family. I don't come from a good clan. I don't have a good upbringing and I don't have a good life. But I believe that there is a God who loves me and who is willing and able to bless me. And so he starts his prayer with bless me. I want your blessings. I want more of you. I want more of your anointing. I want more of your goodness. I want more of your blessings in my life. Bless me. The King James Version puts it this way. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. And that's just a fancy way of saying bless me a lot. Bless me with every blessing that you have in store for me. I want it. I want it all. 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 Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. And this was his prayer. I want more. I want more. I want more. Bless my marriage. Bless my home. Bless my efforts, my finances, my future. Bless me again and again and again and again. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. He wanted everything that God had for him. You know, what if, what if the reason that we don't experience all that God has for us is just because we don't ask? Man, what if God is, is ready to pour out his blessings on us, but he's just waiting for his children to ask? How crazy, how dumb of us to go through life without asking God to give us all that he has prepared to give us. I was reading this excerpt out of the prayer of Jabez and it was talking about this blessing. It said, to bless in a biblical sense means to ask for or to impart supernatural favor. When we ask for God's blessings, we're not asking for more of what we could get for ourselves. We're crying out for the wonderful, unlimited goodness that only God has the power to know about or to give us. It's from God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. And so, Um, This is what I need you to know about the blessings of God. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. All you can do is ask for it. So start asking for it. Bless me. Bless me indeed. The heart of this prayer, and and we have to see this before we move on, the heart of this prayer isn't for anything specific. It's it's just left open-ended. Bless me, God, with everything that you, God, want to give me. See, Jabez isn't saying bless me with. And that's a subtle difference, but it's, it's something that we often miss. Because often we go to God with bless me with, and we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. See, Jabez didn't say bless me with. He says bless me indeed. Bless me with everything that you have for me. But we, we go to God with things like this. Bless me with a winning lottery ticket in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, think of the good things that I could do for the kingdom of God with a winning lottery ticket. And so we, we bring God our, our divine Christmas list, and we say, God, bless me with. God, bless me with good health. God, bless me with a good job. God, bless me with a brand new car. And we give God all sorts of suggestions in, in ways that he could bless us. But Jabez says, God, I trust you more than I trust myself. I won't bring you any specific request because I don't want anything in my life that you don't want in my life so I'm not going to tell you how to bless me I just know you have blessings for me and I want them all bless me indeed 
we begin to realize that God desires to bless you and God has more for you. Bless me, bless me, bless me. The heart of this prayer is, God, I know that you do have more and I want it all. This prayer reveals that even though Jabez's past was marked with pain, he knew that God had more for him and he wanted it. He wanted it. You need to know that God has more for you, so start asking. Start asking. The second thing that he prayed was expand my territory. Expand my territory. In, in the book, The Prayer of Jabez, the author describes it like this. He sort of paints this picture. He says, in this particular time in Israel's history, um, Joshua had just led the children of Israel into the, the promised land, and um, they had uh, eliminated the, the enemies of God, and they were dividing the land tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family. And, and he, he sort of paints this theoretical picture of Jabez walking the limits of his land and that this land that, that his family had been given and had been passed on to him and, and this, this piece of property that he was overseeing. And as he's walking down the, the, the fence markers or the boundary markers of his, his property, realizing that his entire world existed on this one piece of land, it, I wonder if there wasn't a moment where his heart was stirred and his spirit began to scream out to God, surely I was born for more than this. Surely I was born for more than this. And in that moment, a second prayer began to take birth in his life where he was looking around and he was saying, God, expand my territory. Expand my territory. Everything that you've put under my care, enlarge it. Expand it, grow it, and multiply it. And when we read this, bless me indeed, and expand my territory, it looks like very selfish, very self-serving prayers. But, but we wonder, well, then how come God doesn't answer my selfish, self-serving prayers? Because I believe that there was more to this than just what it appears at first listen or first read. He was saying, expand my territory. But this prayer had little to do with finances, had little to do with economic status. It had little to do with his real estate portfolio. What he was praying is, expand my influence. Expand my impact. Expand my opportunity. Because there are people that don't know you, God, that don't have a relationship with you, that need to have a relationship with you. And so, so I'm praying that you would expand my reach, expand my territory, grow me in a way that I can have greater impact for the kingdom of God. Grow me in my ability to advance the kingdom in a powerful way. Put me in a position to do more for you. See, Jabez isn't praying for a bigger house so that he can have space to put a pool. He's praying for a greater opportunity so that he can declare more effectively the goodness and the greatness of God. So that he can share with people how the God he knows has turned his pain into promise. That, that the God that he serves and he loves can take a life marked with distress and give it a divine destiny. Jabez is saying, use me more. I want to do more. Help me to impact the kingdom more. And I'm telling you, this is a prayer that God will answer. 
This is a prayer that God will say yes to. Expand my territory so that I can do more for you. Increase my capacity to influence and impact. And, and, and you begin to pray this prayer, God will do, God will respond to this prayer. And there's some of you in this place that God is, is increasing your, uh, your capacity at work and he's, he's raising you up the corporate ladder and he's putting you in positions that you can begin to affect change and, and policy and, and how people are treated at your work and, and maybe he's increasing your capacity because there are people in, in the, um, the, the business world that he wants to look up to you in a way to see that, that that man or that woman leads the business with integrity. There must be something different about them and as more lights shine on you, you're able to more effectively reflect that light up to Jesus and you can say, you know what, it has absolutely nothing Nothing to do with my smarts, my wisdom, my ability. Everything I have is because of Jesus and I give him all the glory and I just want to do my absolute best to serve him. And so, so for some of you, God is increasing your borders in this way because he wants you to impact the kingdom in your job and in your position and all glory to God for answering those prayers. There's others in this place that God is, is extending your borders through your home and through your family. You're having kids, and, and with each child that comes into the house, you are, you are expanding your territory, and you have more influence, and you have a greater capacity to, to dramatically impact the kingdom of God. There are some of you who are, are, are looking at your life and saying, is this all it is? But you're going to realize someday that, that you impacting your child for the kingdom of God is going to translate in that child going and impacting hundreds, thousands, potentially even tens of thousands of people for the kingdom of God. So, so you praying this prayer, expand my territory, increase my capacity to influence the kingdom of God. God is going to answer in powerful and dramatic ways. Even if your title doesn't change, even if your pay doesn't change, God will expand your territory if you ask him. Or some of you that you're expanding your territory through foster children and, and adoption, that, that you are impacting and influencing more people and, and, and God is answering those prayers. I can tell you that every single significant leadership step in my life has been preceded by a season of this prayer, expand my border so that I can do more for you. It, it, it just, every time, and it doesn't always sound this way, but, but it, it's always a result of, of me saying, God, there's more that I know you want to do through me, so, so increase my territory, expand my borders. You know, I, I, I was praying this prayer before we had kids, and God must have really listened to that one because he gave us five kids. Like, whoa. That was a good answer. That was a big, that was a big one. Thank you, God. I, we prayed this prayer before we went into ministry. You know, God, in, in, expand my borders, increase my capacity, my ability to do more for you. And, and God didn't answer that one so, like, dramatically and powerfully at first. I remember <clears throat> a couple months into uh, me being the youth pastor here, we were meeting over in the gym. It was called Revolution Youth Ministry. Now it's Pulse, and we moved downtown after that and all that stuff. But Revolution Youth Ministry, one night, um, we were standing there, and it was during worship time, and there were more kids on stage leading in worship than was out in the congregation worshiping. I was like, God, you didn't answer this one so well. <laughs> this, is, this is all I can do right here in the handful of people. And, and you know, God began to bless and grow and, and answer those prayers more and more. Um, 
Before I was elected as the pastor of this church, I spent two years praying this prayer, God, expand my territory. And I wasn't praying for this position. I was just praying, God, I, I feel like you're leading me into a season where you want more from, from me. And I feel like there's more that I can do for you. And so expand my territory. And so for two years, I was praying, God, expand my territory, expand my territory, expand my territory. Before I was elected in this position where, you know, I was given the opportunity to do more for the kingdom of God. Um, I, just, I just recently spent several months praying this prayer again. And uh, as a result, I think, you know, maybe it's coincidence, who knows. As a result of that, I've, I've been chosen or elected to serve in our denomination as the sectional presbyter for the Tri-Cities. So, so the way our leadership structure works in this state for our church is that we have some executive leaderships and we have some regional leadership and we have some sectional leadership. And uh, so that means um, as a presbyter, I kind of oversee uh, a handful of churches you know, around this section. And so there's, you know, five to 10 churches that I have direct oversight and direct leadership uh, correspondence with and making sure everything's working. And, um, and uh, it, so just last week, I had a conversation with a guy in one of those churches and, and he says, Chris, I, I feel like I'm ready to move our church from a general council affiliated church that means we have uh, presbyters have less influence to a district affiliated church that means we would have more direct influence and he says I think I'm ready to move our church to a district affiliated church which means automatically that I become the president of their board and and by default I become the top position of leadership in their church. Now, I'm not saying that to say like things are changing here, um, so don't misunderstand that. I already serve in that capacity in two other churches in this section, and I have been for the last several months, but, but he's telling me that you're going to get another one, and that means that my responsibility to, that means it's my responsibility to make sure that their constitution and bylaws are in order. It means that it falls on me to make sure that they are properly incorporated as a nonprofit organization so they don't get sued by the IRS. Yay, right? It means that all of their problems automatically become my problems. All of their faults and fractures automatically begin to fall on my shoulders to help fix and to help come up with a plan of, of, of fixing and moving forward in that church. And, and I'm sitting there talking to him and we're surrounded by a bunch of other pastors and he's telling me about some of the leadership problems that he's having and, and, and some of the problems with, with you know, some of the people that have influence in the church and some of the pain and the conflict and the tension that they're, that they're experiencing in that church. And I'm thinking, man, we don't have this pain. We don't have this conflict. We don't have this tension. I'm not experiencing any of this stuff. And he's going on and on and on and on about, about all of this stuff that very soon is going to become part of my problem and issues that I'm going to have to help take care of. And by this time he's like speaking and I'm not even listening to the words that he's saying anymore because I, I'm going back and I'm thinking you know about these prayers God increase my territory expand my opportunity for influence and 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 he's just his mouth is speaking and I'm sort of just there listening and smiling and nodding and trying to think of words to encourage him but I'm thinking to God God never mind I was joking. I, I, I didn't mean that prayer. Don't expand my territory. Don't increase my borders. Don't do that. I want less influence. God, I want less opportunity. God, I want to be able to take a nap. I don't want to do any of this stuff. You misunderstood me. 
And I was talking to Melissa after this conversation, and she said, you know what, Chris, I, I know that there are a lot of pastors in this state that you could really help. And I'm frustrated with her because, you know, God is using her to confirm what he's doing and, and the, the borders that he's increasing for me. And, and I'm, I'm frustrated with Melissa. I'm frustrated about the situation. I'm frustrated with God because I'm thinking, God, of all the prayers that I've sent up to heaven, right, that are bouncing around in heaven, this was the one you grabbed? Because I know there's a lot more prayers bouncing around up there about the debt payoff of this church, a miraculous like $2 million debt payoff. You know, in this, I, I know there's a lot more of those prayers bouncing around in heaven. You should have grabbed one of those. But you grabbed the one that puts me right in the middle of somebody else's pain? Why would you do that? What I've come to realize is that this is a prayer that God always answers. Let me say it again. This is a prayer that God always answers. God is not short on opportunities. God is not short on work. He's short on workers. He's not short on work. He's short on workers. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and these were his instructions to them. This is what he says to them. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He's saying there's a lot to do for the sake of the kingdom. There are a lot of people that, that haven't come into the kingdom of God that, that are ready to come into the kingdom of God, but we need to send out workers to bring them in. There's a lot of people that have, have made that step into relationship with Jesus, but they need to grow. They need to be discipled. There's leadership lessons. There's growth lessons. There's discipleship lessons, and they need somebody to help train them. The harvest is great. There is lots to do for the kingdom, but the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, Jesus says. He doesn't say pray that the harvest would come in. He knows the harvest is there and ready. He says ask God to send more workers into his fields. So, when somebody is dumb enough to go to God and say increase my territory, God says yes, there's a field over here. Nobody's working it. You got it. There's a field over here. It's been neglected for a long time. It's yours. The answer to this prayer is always yes when we pray with this kind of heart. God, I want to do more for the kingdom. Well, there's more to do. There's a field with your name on it. Come get it. And, and this answer is always yes because Jesus told us to pray this. And if Jesus tells us to pray this, you know that God is going to say yes when we bring this request to him. But there's a catch the minute your territory begins to expand, fear comes in. And it did with me. I remember sitting in those meetings and they're saying, okay, now, Pastor Chris, this is what you have to do. What? I'm the president of their board? I didn't sign up for that. Well, yeah, you did. Oh. So my name is on their church? Yeah, oh. I'm not, I'm not ready for this, you know. I remember the first day that I walked into this church after being elected the lead pastor, I just felt like this intense pressure. Like, what have I gotten myself into? These people, they made the wrong choice, you know? Because fear sets in. When, when God expands our territory and moves our boundary lines further, it brings fear. And so this leads us to our third prayer, or the third prayer that Jabez prayed. He says, be with me. He asked God, be with me. In all that I do, be with me. 
I want you to notice something. It's subtle, but it's powerful. Jabez didn't start the prayer by asking God to be with him, which is okay, and this is usually how we pray. We, Dear God, be with me in everything that I do everywhere I go. Be with me, be with me, be with me. And, and, and that's okay to pray that. The problem is um, we seldom mean it and almost never need it. So it just becomes, again, this empty, like, God, be with me wherever I go, whatever I do. Um, be with me today. And, and, and we never find ourselves in a position where we need God to intervene in our situation when in reality we could say to God, God, you can come with me today if you want, but I don't need you to. Um, I got this covered for the most part today. You know, I'll let you know when I get myself in a jam. Right? But he prays, God, be with me. It wasn't until Jabez had entered into a place that was beyond his ability that he prayed, God, be with me. God, I need you. I mean, over my head. I asked you to bless me, and you did. I asked you to increase my territory, and you did. Now I'm looking around, and I know that I can't do this on my own. So God, I need you. And we often are well-intentioned and, and say things like this, and we say this from the pulpit sometimes. You know, when God increases your territory, he's going to increase your ability, you know, if God called you to it, he's going to give you the ability to, to be successful in it. And, and I want to say that, that the Holy Spirit was challenging me in this this week that this isn't always true. It's not always true. As God increases your territory, he's not always going to increase your ability. But... When God increases your territory, if you keep your eyes on him and you realize that you're in over your head, you will increase your capacity to call on him more and say, God, I've gotten myself in a situation. I'm in over my head. I can't do this on my own. I've asked to work this other field and you said I could work this other field, but I don't know how to work this other field. God, I need you to help me. And so God isn't always going to increase or multiply your talents, your smarts, your finances, your creativity, or your ability, but he will always be with you in it. Always. Always. God, be with me. I need you. I need you near. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. You don't need more talents or abilities. You just need more of him. And this is the place where God loves to show up. We need more people in our church that believe that God is wanting more and doing more, and God wants to do more in them and through them, and we need more people who are willing to get in over their heads. We need more people who are willing to say, God, increase my territory and stepping into it and say, uh-oh, now I don't know what to do. God, work through me. Jabez realized he was in over his head and he reached the border of his ability and he said, God, you've given me more. Now I need you. I need you. And we know, Scripture tells us that God gave him everything he requested. Jabez said, bless me. God said, yep. Jabez said, um, um, increase my borders, expand my territories. God said, yep. Jabez said, now be with me, help me. God said, yep, here I am. And that leads us to the fourth prayer. The fourth thing that Jabez prayed is he, he prayed, keep me from, keep me from. And this is 
why I believe that it's wrong for us to assume that this little prayer that Jabez prayed was a one-time thing or an empty mantra that he prayed every morning while he was brushing his teeth. Because what it seems is that these prayers built on one after another, after another, after another. That after um, God said yes to the first prayer, it led to the second prayer. After he said yes to the second prayer, it led to the third. After he said yes to the third, it led to the fourth. And the fourth and final prayer was keep me from all trouble and pain. But I love the way the New King James Version puts it. It puts it like this. Keep me from evil so that I may not cause pain. Keep me from evil. And I think it's important for us to look at this because Jabez wasn't saying, help me overcome evil. He wasn't saying, help me to destroy evil. He wasn't saying, God, help me to to face evil and have the, the courage and the strength to come away victorious from it. He doesn't pray any of that. He says, keep it from me. Keep it away from me. He says, God, run interference for me. Because something happens when a man or a woman of God is blessed and growing in, in their, their um, uh, territory and, and growing in their intimacy with God. The enemy identifies that person and he issues a full-on assault for that person's character, their life, their heart, their soul, their destiny, their legacy, everything. The enemy wants to destroy that person. And I believe that probably something happened in Jabez where he's like, now God, I need you to keep evil from me. Keep those unnecessary distractions, those unnecessary temptations, that unnecessary sin. Keep it away from me. That that prayer of Jabez book had had a line in there that said this, the most effective war against sin that we can wage is to pray that we will not have to fight unnecessary temptation. For me, I want to teach my kids to make right decisions and good choices all the time. I want them to always make the right decision, the right choice. I want them to, whenever temptation comes, whenever the opportunity to sin comes, I want them to be able to identify the off-ramp and take it immediately and get out of that situation. I want them to have the courage and the strength to say no to temptation when it comes. And, and, I take it as a personal responsibility to keep them from temptation. I want them to have the strength and the courage to say no, but I also want to create an environment in our home, in our lives, in our, in, in our family where they are not tempted to keep evil from them. I want to guard them from unnecessary temptation. And there are two components to this. God, help me to deal with the temptations when it comes and, and keep it from me. In our house, um, we, we have stairs leading to the upstairs. And as you come down the stairs, you can either go this way around the dining room into the kitchen, and then it'll take you all the way around in a big circle back to the stairs. And there's, you know, walls and different rooms as you're walking around this circle. And so you can, you can go through the dining room, kitchen, back to the stairs, or you can go this way, uh, kitchen, dining room, back to the stairs. And the other day, I was upstairs, and uh, Lydia, uh, my daughter, was on that floor, and for whatever reason, we were both looking at looking for each other, and um, I go downstairs looking for Lydia, and she comes upstairs looking for me, and and um, she chose to come to the stairs this way, and I chose to come down the stairs this way, and um, we we passed each other without ever seeing each other, and so she goes upstairs, where's Daddy, and I come downstairs, where's Lydia, and and the, the kids say, well, she went upstairs looking for you, and Melissa tells Lydia uh, he went downstairs looking for you. 
Because we're like, oh, missed him. And, and so then Lydia comes back downstairs looking for me, and I go back upstairs looking for her. And when she came down, she goes this way. And when I'm coming up, I go this way. And we, we miss each other again. I said, where's Lydia? She just went back upstairs looking for you. Like, are you lying to me? Is she under the blanket? You know, is that you? And it was frustrating because, because we couldn't find anybody. So it's like, Daddy, Lydia, where are you? You know? But it was interesting. And it made me think, that's what I want God to do with sin in my life. I want, that's what I want God to do with evil in my life. I want God to so direct my steps. I, I want God to be with me so much. I want him to run so much interference with me that when evil is looking for me, it can't find me. That when I'm over here and evil is over here, and when I'm over here, evil is over here, and when it's trying to find a path to get to me, God is moving me on the other side, and it can never reach me, and only God can do that. Only God can do that. And so we pray, keep evil from me. But we often behave, stand to your feet, I'm almost done. We often behave in a different way. We often behave by, by leaning into potential temptation. We often behave by, by checking out something or flirting with the line of potential disaster. And then we say, God, um, now give me the strength to overcome this temptation that I completely willingly walked into. But Jabez says, no, 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 I don't want any of that. Keep that from me. Keep me divinely innocent. And if I'm ignorant of the attacks of the enemy, if, if, I, if I'm not even aware how he's pursuing me, then all the better for it. Keep it from me. Keep it from me. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect with us or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit mynsag.com.